Well, good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is Marcus Grodi, your host for this program, coming to you from the studios of the Coming Home Network International. Thank you for joining us on this uh, continuing broadcast. Oh, I don't know how many years we're into this now, but uh, thank you for joining us. But what we are doing differently, doing differently, at least in this episode of the program, is we're going with a new theme uh, for those who maybe joined us for the first time called Memorable Verses, in which the guest and I will each share verses that have been important to us in our walk with Jesus Christ. And they're important enough that we, because maybe we memorize them at some point, and they become a regular uh, part of our walk. And we believe that they are important to know, to memorize. And so that's why we're sharing them. We think you ought to memorize these verses. If not knowing them word for word, at least knowing where to find them in Scripture. Um, and part of this is an emphasis that your Scriptures uh, should not, should be more than merely something to hold down a coffee table uh, or sit somewhere on a shelf, but reading the Word of our Lord should be a regular part of life. Uh, and don't merely yeah. do it on Sundays or in Liturgy of the Hours. Do it for yourself. My guest today is uh, Seth Payne. Hello, Seth. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Great. Seth is a co-worker for the Coming Home Network. Now, let me remember... I always forget developer of web and new media. Yeah, web and new media. I'm I'm the guy in charge of the website, the YouTube channel, and I work with uh, Matt Swaim on the Facebook, you know, page and Twitter and all that. You know, affect uh, specifically, for example, if they went to chnetwork.org, the website, what things mm -hmm. might they see that behind the scenes you're involved with? So, well, I guess besides behind the scenes on the website, that would be the whole website. You know, I oh, manage sure. the website, you know, update the plugins, all all that fun technical stuff. Uh, but if you're on the website and, you know, you're looking in the in the blog or you look up the uh, in the blog, you'll see the insights videos and uh, the signpost videos. Uh, those are all the short, uh, it's just the short videos we put out on YouTube. And they are showing snippets of people's stories, you know, okay. insights looking at, um, how some insight that they learned in the Catholic Church helped draw them into the Catholic Church. You know, so Matt Swaim and I do do a few trips a year going around the country uh, interviewing different converts, and uh, and that's one of my favorite parts of the, the job is sharing their stories. All right. Well, and you're a convert. So you could, and you could also find, you could also go directly to youtube.com slash coming home network. There you go. There you go. And, uh, Seth and his wife are both converts to the church. Yeah. Their stories are available online. Um, but I suppose I, for those of you that are only listening to this program, you may not notice that Seth is wearing a special T-shirt. Why don't you talk about that, Seth? Well, so my T-shirt says, uh, That Nerdy Catholic. And uh, and so um, prior to coming to work for the Coming Network about four years ago, I was working on my master's program in digital media and so i was trying to figure out a best you know the best way to to use my gifts to share my faith online and so i started a youtube channel and started doing video projects on there and uh, that um, became i changed the name to that nerdy catholic and so i now have a vlog that i do um every week every friday morning on that channel where i just share just my own journey of faith and uh, just my own ponderings on uh on just important things in faith Great, Seth. I mean, uh, we recognize that there's not a thing 
that any human being has ever created. We've only discovered mm-hmm. or uh, built upon that which we were already given by God. Yeah, yeah. We need we need to take the gifts that God gave us, and and it has been a, it has been a great uh, journey of exploring you know the gifts that God has given me and how I can can use those. And it was neat. I, I remember having a conversation with my wife while I was doing my master's program and I was talking about, you know, what kind of ministry can I join? You know, I, I was like, I want to do something with my faith. And she looked at me and she said, well, you're in all these classes where you're doing projects, right? I said, yeah. She's like, so you're making short videos, right? I said, yeah. And she said, all your video, your video projects that have something to do with your faith, right? I said, yeah. It's like, well, you're, you're going to um, Harvard Extension School where most of the students there have never thought about God or the Bible or Christianity or the Catholic Church or anything. She's like, that that right there is your current mission field. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're right. <laughs> you know, God, God puts us where he wants us to be yeah. to speak to those around us. Yeah, and using not just the gifts that we've been given, which is what you're primarily mm-hmm. talking about there, but also the gift of the internet, mm-hmm. of electronics, of electricity, all of these things. Um, we were given to be stewards of, yeah. and we're called because we were created in the image of God. That means we are to imitate Him in His stewardship. Mm-hmm. So that means that when we do something with the things we've been given, we want to be able to stand back at the end of the day and say, "This was good." Yeah, that's how we imitate God. So the internet can be used for good or bad things. Mm-hmm. The internet itself, Absolutely. you know, it, it isn't it in itself isn't a bad thing, uh, but it's what we do with it. I, I yep, do agree. Yep. If we had more discussion, we might see that at the source of some of these mm-hmm. things, because of the people that provide internet, there may be we may be interconnected with evil. And we have to be very careful with that. Mm-hmm. But when we look at the end of the day, we look at what we've done with what we were given. Have we acknowledged Him? Yeah. That's the point. Which, you know, actually, Seth, what we just talked about, we could add 15 verses that we could use to back that up. That'd been a whole other program. Yeah, but Exactly. <laughs> but what we do on this... Next partic- time. Next yeah, time. next time, right. So what we do on this uh, episode of, of Deep in Scripture uh, called Memorable Verses, here's our format. I'll begin by sharing a memorable verse that Seth doesn't know yet what I'm going to throw down. And I'm going to talk about it for a while. And while that particular verse is something that I've found m- memorable to me and important and something I've memorized and and want to pass along. And then, of course, Seth will have a chance after I'm done waxing eloquently for about four days, and then you can talk about it. <laughs> and then when we've, we've done with that, then, Seth, I'll ask you, what verse do you bring to the table today? And you'll talk about your verse, which I don't know. And you don't know my verse yet. I don't know it, and uh, we'll talk about that. We'll see if it's a verse that was important to me. And then after we've talked about your verse, then we'll close the program by bringing the two verses together and see how they fit. If they do. We assume they do because they're all between the same uh, covers of this book called The Scriptures. I guarantee mine is somewhere between Genesis and Revelation. Mine's in there. Mine's in there too. All right. Well, this verse that I'm going to share, um, I'm 67 years old. And I can, I can say that this verse has had an important part of my life for 50 
four years. At least, although there was a time when I had forgotten it, and it was because of this verse that I came back to Jesus. And uh, I just before I share the verse, let me give a little background to it. When I, you know, I was brought up Lutheran, catechized, baptized, catechized, confirmed at age 13, joined the church, rite of passage, I've arrived. I know my Lutheran faith as good as anybody, although I didn't know Jesus. When I went away to college, I set the Bible aside, didn't open it, didn't go to church until the summer between my junior and senior year. Um, and I won't go into the details, but a, a friend of mine challenged me to read the Bible. And I hadn't gone to church. I wasn't a practicing Christian. I wasn't showing any interest. I was a scientific materialist. I was caught up in all that stuff. But this friend challenged me to read the Bible, and he gave me a, a, a challenging reason to do that. So I said, okay, I'll read the Bible. Where do you want me to start? He said, read the Gospel of John. So I said, okay. And I'm thinking, I'll just get it done and, and then get the, get the prize. Mm-hmm. I sat down and began reading. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, I, and before I knew it, I had read all the way to John 15. And in the time that I read those 15 paragraphs, grace had changed me into a different person. And I knew it because as soon as it was done, I had to make a decision and I made a moral choice that I wouldn't have made before. I know it. And it wasn't me, it was grace. And I knew it. And um, and it was that this verse, it was, if you will, this was the place where I stopped and knew that I'd been changed. And it was John 15, four and five. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I am him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Nothing. And, and that verse awakened me. For a lot of reasons, and let me talk a few of those before I open the, the gates for our discussion, but there, I, could, I could write a book on, on how much this verse has meant to me over these years. But I knew then that I had to return to faith. I had not been abiding in my mm-hmm. Savior. That's where it hit me first. I knew in my gut that I had wandered and I had left him. He hadn't left me. Um, I looked at my life just two months before this. I was the beer-chugging champion of Case Western Reserve University. My life had gotten way out there. The fruit I was producing was not something to write home about. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was because I had turned away from my Lord. I mean, it, it was as if I had been infused with not a deep theological doctrinal understanding of my faith, but I had been gifted by grace with the awakening to Jesus again. And so all the catechetical stuff, everything I had learned as a Lutheran, all the seeds came to fruition, those baptismal graces. And I walked away from there different. From there, I started going to church. Mm -hmm. There I started going to Bible studies. I began to read scripture every day. 
and I have every day since. Uh, since then, my life has changed, mm-hmm. and it was because of this verse. And again, when you look at this, I mean, the image of it is, again, I am the vine, you are the branches, and we are to produce fruit. And we can't produce mm-hmm. fruit unless we're abiding in him. Mm-hmm. And basically, he says, if we look at the context, if you aren't producing fruit, you're cast off. Yeah. You're cast off because you're an unproductive branch on the vine. Later, he mm-hmm. says, if man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown in the fire and burned. And that hit me. So there's all that's around that theme. But, mm-hmm. but here are two other Three things, quickly, that this verse came to mean for me. Why was this verse like a, a blinking neon banner for me that awakened me? Because mm-hmm. at that moment, I don't remember having seen this verse before. It just didn't jump out at me. And I remember thinking, oh, that lousy Lutheran upbringing hadn't brought me to Jesus, and here I've come to Jesus, and you know, all that whole... And so I went back digging into some stuff to find out what had I learned as a Lutheran. And I happened to come across my catechism confirmation packet mm-hmm. in which we had a memorization verse. What was my memorization verse? John 15, 4. It was my memory verse. Mm-hmm. Duh. In other words, it had been a part of me that I totally wiped away and forgot. Uh-huh. The second thing that, that where this verse became important is later when I went to seminary and I became a very evangelical Calvinist and then a Presbyterian pastor um, that preached once saved, always saved. You know, I used to, to teach evangelization programs about, you know, if you died tonight and, and God asked you why he should let you into heaven and the, the kind of normal answer is, hey, I've done good things and it's kind of a caric- uh, uh, ignorant caricature of Catholics' commitment to holiness and, and to love. Mm-hmm. But my answer would have been, you point to Jesus. You point to Jesus. If you accepted mm-hmm. him as your Lord and Savior, you're saved because his righteousness has covered your sinfulness. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make a difference how you lived your life. That's basically my view of Luther. But it always sat wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Through all the years I was a pastor, it sat wrong with me. Why? This verse points to why. Because we're called not just to have faith in Christ, we're called to abide in him. Mm-hmm. This verse doesn't say, believe in me and I in you. I mean, that doesn't make sense. That's not what this is. It's about abiding. It's a choice. It's mm-hmm. an, active, an act of the will to respond to grace and to continue. The word abide means continue or remain. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place. This verse implies that a Christian can indeed fail to remain in Christ. He can fall Mm -hmm. away because he says, if a man does not abide in me, and that implies that a person can be in Christ Mm -hmm. and then fall away. That, Mm -hmm. Seth, was one of those things that opened my heart eventually to recognizing that faith alone doesn't work, Scripture alone doesn't work. It opened me up to the church. But thirdly, the last thing I've got to hit, and that is, okay, what does it mean to abide? And the truth is that every New Testament epistle is about abiding in Christ. 
because every mm-hmm. New Testament epistle is written to a Christian telling them how to live out their faith. But I remember someone pointing this out to me. I didn't discover it for myself. But there's only one place in all of Scripture where our Lord clearly tells us how we abide in him. Only one place. Mm-hmm. And that's in John 6, in which he says in verse 56, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Mm-hmm. It's through the Eucharist, mm-hmm. through the sacraments, through the church. And that was one of the things that brought me back. And so that's why this verse is very important. Let me read it again. And then, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Has this verse been important to you, Seth, at all? Oh, yes. No, no. This verse, I feel like, has gone through many phases in my life. And, I mean, I remember back to to Sunday school, you know, learning this verse and having that image. And I I think they probably have had the, you know, the felt, you know, (laughs) (laughs) graph, felt the graph, whatever. I can't remember what they're called. You know, pictures. Flannel graph. Flannel graph of, of, of a tree. And you have to you take your little branch and you say, okay, are you going to put your branch on the tree or are you going to put it on the ground? Uh, and so, <laughs> uh, and so I remember this verse being used a lot in uh, you know, with the Sunday school teacher, or the pastor talking about, well, you know, you have to you have to keep coming back to church. You can't just say you're a Christian and go off into the world and and be a, a good Christian. You have to keep coming back to church. You have to go to Sunday school. When you're old enough, you have to go to youth group. You have to, you know, you have to go to the Bible study, you know, um, and prayer meetings, you know, whatever, whatever the church is doing, they're going to say, you know, it's important to be a part of a church and not just to say you're part of a church, but actually be involved in the life of the church that you're in. And so for, for a lot of my life, that's, that's really what it, what it meant to be, meant to me. But um, I, I would say if we had the, the option in this show to pick as long of a passage as we wanted, uh, I would say my passage would be John 14 to 17. Yeah. <laughs> and in, yeah. in my journey back into, so when I was in college, you know, like a lot of um, lifelong Christians, I had my period of doubt where I, you know, really kind of, like you were saying before, you know, walked away from from my faith. And when on my journey back, it was that that whole passage though, you know, from 14 yeah. to 17 that, that really had the biggest impact on me and I kept going back to it and reading it. And so when I read this passage in my 20s, when I was returning to my faith, I I understood the context of the period. This was right after the Last Supper and it was right before Christ went to the cross. And so I kind of, I, I got, I gained this understanding that these were the things Everything they said in those chapters were the most important things on his heart. He's like, these are the last things I have to say to my disciples before I leave them. And so he knows he's about to go to the cross. And he's just reminding them, abide in me and I in you. We're doing this together. And, and, and you know, another place in that passage is like, you don't know where I'm going. Um, but he, he's reassuring them that everything is going to be okay and that he will, they will still be able to abide in him even after he goes to the cross. And he's reminding them that without him, they can't do anything. They're not supposed to, after this 
after he goes to the cross. They're not supposed to go off on their own and do whatever they think they should. They still need to abide in him. Yeah, I mean, the mystery of that. In the history of the church, there was a time in the 4th, 5th century when when the leaders of the church really struggled about how to understand Jesus, his divinity mm. and his humanity, how to put those two together. Scripture isn't clear on that. Yeah. It really isn't clear. So how do you understand Jesus? You know, if, you, if we only understand him from a divine side, then what's he doing praying to our to the Lord, you know, and mm-hmm. or what's he saying that he doesn't know when the second coming is, or what's Jesus saying uh, from from Gethsemane, mm-hmm. you know, Father, take this away, you know, but Thy yeah. will be done, or from the cross, why have you forsaken? You know, quoting the Psalm, why have you forsaken me? So mm-hmm. there's that. So we 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 try and understand our Lord in His full humanity as well, mm-hmm. full divinity, but His full humanity. When he is saying these verses, as you said, Seth, from chapter 14 through 17, he's facing the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and we take away from his humanity by merely saying, well, he knows what's going to happen afterwards. Right, right. We take away from his full humanity by assuming he knows exactly the end of the story. Right, and Sir, if that were the case, he wouldn't have sweat blood. You know, yeah. so we recognize that. So in that the mystery of his telling his disciples to abide in him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when he's facing the cross. Yeah. The mystery yeah. of that. We, we, we're not going to set aside and ignore his divinity and his full knowledge, infinite wisdom and all that. But yet in his humanity, he is looking at these men and saying, I want you to abide me. Oh, oh and by the way, I'm going to die tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the faith, the trust, the mystery of the walk with Christ, mm-hmm. which does involve a cross, right. it continues to involve a cross for the rest of our life. Right. Well, and, and and I can imagine, I can imagine that, you know, I mean, and we know that most of the disciples ran away. And we can imagine that once they came back, they remembered all the words that he said. Including, yeah. including this. Well, and that's comes and they from found comfort in it. Fourteen and fifteen and sixteen that say that the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, mm-hmm. the Comforter, will come to remind yeah. them yeah. of all these things and bring to their understanding. So that's why, exactly as you said, these are absolutely key verses. And uh, and you know, you have this wonderful thing that you know, God the Father is the vine dresser, Jesus is the vine, we, His disciples are branches. We have to remain in Him so that we produce fruit. If we don't remain in him, we can't produce fruit. If we don't produce fruit, we won't spend eternity with them. And then there's, mm-hmm. there's this, this the, that's that whole image of the walk with Christ yeah. and uh, the importance of that. And once, once a person gets down that image and then reads the rest of Scripture, everything starts falling into place. And that's why the once saved, always saved image, when you believe that, then you have to take verses like this and come up with some kind of spin mm-hmm. to fit them into your theology. Right. You say, well, it's it's good to abide in Christ, but it's, it's it's not important. I mean, he's already there, so it doesn't really matter. And yeah. Yeah. You I mean, so it undercuts the whole thing. Yeah. And again, just before I turn it over to you, just one last thing there. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. He does that bears much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. So in other words, even abiding in him 
is a gift of his presence. It's that constant, mm-hmm. as uh, Henry Nouwen once said, making your heart Christ's home. Mm-hmm. That's what means to grow in holiness, to grow to be like him, uh, getting rid of the, you know, the, the hoarding we've done in our heart with all the junk so that his, it, our heart becomes his home so he abides in us and we abide in him. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that, a lifelong journey. All right, Seth, all right. what do you got to share with us today? Well, I am not wandering that far. I am staying with the Apostle John. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, this verse is very important to me because uh, as, you know, as a lot of people that grew up as an evangelical would know, I learned a lot of my verses by learning them in a song. <laughs> and, uh, and so this was when I was in middle school and I was in youth group and I was, this was one of my favorite songs that we always sang. And, uh, and if it's okay with you, I'll, I will sing my okay. verse. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love, God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> I remember that song. <laughs> and of so I, I remember learning that, learning that verse, and I sang that song all the time, you know, both in youth group and also just, just walking around, walking around my house. And it was so important to me because it was, I mean, that, that in a way that's the gospel, you know, that, yeah. that God loves us, you know, that, that is saying that, you know, that God loves us. And it is also saying that we are called to love one another, you know, beloved, let us love one another. And the reason why we should love another one another is because love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God. So like you were saying in your verse, abide in me, you know, we, if we are born of God, then we, then we love because God is love. And so I would say for, um, you know, going through middle school, I found a lot of comfort in that verse. And then going into high school, I think I found difficulty with the second part of the, of the passage, and uh, kind of what you were saying before of, of you know, I, I grew up in a in a once saved, always saved um, belief, and so when I when I came to the second part of the verse and started to really think about that, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, and. Had an experience that I had a few times growing up with this once saved, always saved mindset. All right, well, am I am I not really a Christian? You know, I, I had that thought so many times. And do I need to reaccept Christ? And so thinking about this, this first, the second part. All right, am I not loving enough? And if I'm not loving enough, does that mean that I'm not of God? Does do I not know God enough? And uh, and so that was the difficult part. Yeah. Um, and so when I came, when I started looking at the Catholic Church and I came into the Catholic Church, 
I saw this more that back to the promise that um, that is not just me. It's just not just me trying to love. It's God loving through me. And and I need to trust that God is going to love through me. Yeah, a lot of that would. Oh, yeah, this verse and verses like it, that whole section. Um, it took my Christian awakening to rediscover what love was. Mm -hmm. And it took a while because when I read this, you know, all of a sudden when I have my awakening and I'm reading the Bible every day in the morning and then at lunch break mm -hmm. I'm reading the Bible and it's just all the time. Um, and when I read those about if you don't love, you don't know God, and so I looked at the way I treated people, and it wasn't too slick. Yeah. And, yeah. and the truth is, I didn't feel the least bit loving for some of these people. So what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And it, it helped when a pastor and then others helped me realize that the kind of love that's being discussed here is agape love. That's the word mm -hmm. being used here, not phileo or eros, it's agape, which is a, a completely freely given love, but it's a, a verb, if you will. It's yeah. an act. That's yeah. why it, our, oh, I'm sorry, go it, ahead. Yeah, it has, it has nothing to do with, with how we're feeling. Yeah, yeah. And, and feelings will come, uh, but we don't wait until feelings to kick in. It's kind of like forgiving. I don't wait until I feel like forgiving before I forgive. No, mm -hmm. it, you, you get those the other way around. Um, and um, so this, uh, you know, loving our enemies, when you reflect on what that means, by definition, that means you, you act lovingly, caringly. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? Well, then you study the New Testament, the whole New Testament yeah. is about what it means to love. And I was thinking um, earlier in 1 John, it, uh, in chapter 2, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had mm -hmm. from the beginning. The old commandment mm -hmm. is the word which you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away. There's a newness about this commandment to love. Yeah. And it was in those passages you referred to earlier yeah. about, about how we are to love. Right. Well, and, and looking, at, looking at early in Christ's ministry, he says, you know, love one another. You know, um, love, uh, he says, um, love others as you would have or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yep. So there's a, there's a, there's a, you need to, you want to treat someone how you would want to be treated. And then at the end of his ministry, he says, love one another as I have loved you. So you should love one another. So it has nothing to do with how I want to be treated. It's not tying my loving others to how I want to be treated or, or my feelings of myself or, or anything about me. Christ has loved me to the cross, and that's how I'm supposed to love others. It's, it's an interesting parallel with love of God is an interesting parallel with fear of God. Mm -hmm. And they're both absolutely essential. And there's two 
levels of fearing God. There's what's called servile fear and filial fear. And, and servile mm-hmm. fear of God is, uh, I, I will fear God because I don't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's it's really more self focused, if you will. I don't want to get punished, so mm-hmm. I will do mm-hmm. what's right. Mm-hmm. Filial fear is, I want, I will do right because I want to honor God. Mm-hmm. Like a, a child grows from, I won't do this because I don't want to get spanked. To, I don't want to do this because I want my dad to be proud of me. You know, it's more mm-hmm. of a, it's a different. And it's similar to what you talked about in love. You know, the first is the golden rule, which stays. We don't give up on the golden rule. Right, right. You know, we, but that's more like servile fear. You know, I, I'm going right. to treat you good so you don't treat me bad. And yeah. that's a good thing. You know, I should treat you the way I want you to treat me. That's a good thing. And it's a good thing. But, I mean, it's not, it's not a new thing. I mean, Confucius said the same exact thing. So, I mean, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a reality of love the way God has planted in the consciences of all people. It's there, mm-hmm. but the difference—that's that's the natural law side of it. Yeah. That's the natural. That's a good thing. But yeah. love one another as I have loved you. Whoa, whoa! And yeah. you know, when when Jesus told them that, they didn't know yet what that would mean until right. they saw him on the cross. Right. Well, and and if you if you look at someone who's being loving, what more? Which person is going to have more of an impact on on you? Someone that's loving so that you will not be mean to them, or someone who is loving even when you are mean to them? You know, this. I'm going to tell you something else with this verse. This was important to me also. in, And I think it was important to the leadership of the church, uh, especially in this last century, as the church, the leaders of the church, became seemingly in their, in their teachings far more open to non-Catholics and even non-Christians, mm-hmm. not indifferentism, saying it doesn't mean it's not important to be a Catholic, but recognizing the reality of grace in the lives of our separated brethren, mm-hmm. and even the reality of God's grace and workmanship in non-Christians. You see this spelled out in Lumen Gentium, the uh, Vatican II document. But I think it's because of the verse that you pointed out here, because um let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. Mm-hmm. So they would say, wait a second, wait, time out here. I've just seen an atheist demonstrate right. authentic love. Right. How do we explain that? Right. Well, and, and, and that, that makes me, that makes me always brings me back to, brings me to the, uh, the end of the last battle. Where you know Aslan is is inviting everyone. Oh, C.S. Lewis's Tales of Narnia. Yeah. Yes, yes, the last uh, the last of the the Narnia Narnia books, and Aslan, the the Christ figure, is inviting everyone into um, into this the new heaven, which is you know the new Narnia, and there's the Clorman soldier who is you know the Clormans have been enemies of Narnia for at this point you know thousands of years, and and he looks at me he's like. Who? Why am I here? You're you're not Tosh. Tosh was the the god of the Kalormans. He's like, why am I here? He's like, and Aslan looked at him. He's like, when you were serve, when you thought you were serving Tosh, you were serving me. Yeah. And and yeah, there's this there's this acknowledgement that if someone is loving, you cannot you cannot be loving if you're not in God. And it might be an imperfect love. I mean, we all love imperfectly. But if but if you if there's any love. Then, then that's God working His grace in you, 
And, you know, and it's, and it's our job at, at the Coming Home Network. It's our job to help people see that, as, as you say all the time, Marcus, you know, the, the moments of grace in someone's life and work with those and, and not, to, not to be there saying, okay, well, you know, we are now Catholic, so we're on the right team and, you know, you're, you're all on the wrong team, so you better get on the right team before it's too late. You know, that's that servile fear you're talking about. But, you know, we need to say, you know, I see that God is working in you and I see the grace of God in your life. Let us show you or, you know, come experience a deeper experience of that grace that we found. Yeah, the, the golden rule, natural law level of love is a part of the conscience of every human being that's been born. Mm-hmm. Catholic Church teaches that very clearly. Not all Christians believe that, but Catholics, we believe that in every human being, there's a conscience, and it's there. So it may get completely covered up and and banished in their life as they mm-hmm. turn away and give in to the demonic. But when we see this, we see people loving in a variety of things, or in different religions and different cultures— we see behind it God, mm-hmm. but at the lowest level maybe, because they may be loving to get for themselves. They're still loving, mm-hmm. but it's self-focused. Mm-hmm. But it's selfless love. And we, we talk about Maximilian Kolbe, uh, the Saint Maximilian Kolbe, giving his life for um, others in the war. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that as a, as a very giving sign of what kind of love we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But there were non-Catholics that did that in the war too. Yeah. It doesn't belittle what, what Maximilian Colby did. What it does, it says that God's grace works in, a, in many, many ways that's mysterious. Right. right. Well, and, and so this, this, idea of, this idea of being outside of, of grace, really the only way you can be outside of grace is, the, is if you know what grace is and you're fighting against it. You yeah. can't accidentally be outside of grace. And yeah, this this if you're if you're if you love, then even in some imperfect way, you're you're in God, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, you can find a, a path to to actually know that grace. And, and that's what um, our Lord means when it talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's there, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a mystery between the what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and grace. You know, I mean, yeah. there is a difference, but but they're very close too, mm-hmm. in dwelling the Holy Spirit uh, and responding to that divine presence within our life is responding to grace. Mm-hmm. But if we we've been given this grace and then we reject it, we turn again. We that's denying the Holy Spirit's work in mm-hmm. our life, and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when you read Dante, that's what we read the book about hell. There's a lot of layers of people that have turned away from grace. Yeah. And uh, and there they are. All right, my friend. I've got my verse from John from John fifteen, four. Abide in me, and I in you. And then we got your verse. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God, and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. How do you fit them together? Well, I I I I, I <laughs> want to thank you for throwing me this softball. <laughs> <laughs> Because if you if you abide in Christ, then you're in you're in God. You're, you know, 
beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God. And to be born of God, you're abiding in Christ. And so this, this image of being this branch that is drawing life from the vine that is the image that we need to always go back to when we say, are we of God? Well, if I'm a branch, if I'm attached to the vine, it's not just for proximity's sake. The branch is, is connected to the vine to, to draw life from the vine. And the life of God is love. And so if we abide in Christ, if we are connected to the vine, then we can't help but love. If we, if we are focused on God every day, if we are always drawing close to, to Christ, then we are going to love. It is when we stop abiding in Christ and we focus on ourselves that we start being selfish, that we start being mean-spirited, that we cannot, uh, you know, I've been reading Fire Within and uh, oh, yeah. by Father Thomas Dubay and the image that he shares of this uh, divine transformation of this, you know, this pure abiding in Christ that the saints experience, that when you get to that point, you, you're not, you're not, not, you're, you're not sinning. You're living a life of holiness, not because you're a good person, but you are so connected to the vine that you are constantly drawing love from that and living that love out. And when you're doing that, you know, then you're not, then you're not living a life of selfishness and sin. I mean, here we have our two verses have been recorded by the same person, the Apostle Mm -hmm. John. And if you will, my verse came out of the teaching of our, the words of our Lord as recorded by John. Mm -hmm. And then yours came out of a letter that he wrote to the churches he was pastoring, who Mm -hmm. had already told them the stories of our Lord. So if, yeah. if you will, your verse is like the sermon on this text. <laughs> yeah. And and so there's so much more we can say, but if I go back to the, if I will, the gospel and read a little farther, you'll get down where it says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, abide in my love. Mm-hmm. And then if you go farther, um, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. A little farther, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love. Mm-hmm. So there's the context of yeah. where he defines his new love. And then in First yeah. John, he's preaching on it. And let me take that a little farther, my friend, because just a little bit beyond your verse, he says, um, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. Beloved, if we so love God, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us mm-hmm. and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he mm-hmm. is us because he has given us of his own spirit. Then we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as a savior of the world. Yeah. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he and God. These verses fit together like hand and glove. Yeah, yeah. Because really, in fact, you know, maybe a place to kind of draw this to a close, I don't know that exact uh, 
paragraph in the Vatican II document, Lumen Gentium, and it's repeated in the Catechism somewhere in the 800s. But it says very clearly that a Catholic, a faithful, card-carrying Catholic, who does not love cannot be saved. Mm -hmm. That's why this love is essential. Mm -hmm. Abiding in Christ and loving in yeah. Christ yeah. are two sides of the same coin. Right. And, right. and 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 if you and if you are someone that walks around saying I I'm I'm a good Catholic, I follow all the rules, you know, but I but you don't love, you know, then as Paul says, you're you're a resounding gong. And uh, and you can you can look you can look the part. I mean, you know, there there are times in I'm sure both of our lives where we've felt like we've looked the part, but we didn't love. Yeah. Lord help us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a long way to grow. And uh, well, thanks, Seth. That was fun. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you That's very great. much, and thank you also for all you do for the Coming Home Network and and uh, all of you listening. I hope that you'll go to the website chnetwork. Org, and you'll look at all the things that Seth and John Mark and Matt and Ken and Mary Claire and Jim and Bill and all the other staff members are involved with to make this, this work helpful to all who come and ask for how to grow closer to Christ in this church. So thank you, Seth. Thank you. And thank you all for joining us on this program. I hope this episode of Deep in Scripture was an encouragement. God bless you. Be with you again next week. Deep in Scripture is a production of the Coming Home Network International. To hear more episodes, view our full archive of written and video conversion stories, participate in our online community forum, and more, visit chnetwork.org. You're also invited to explore free membership in the Coming Home Network and receive support on your own Catholic journey. Again, visit chnetwork.org for more information.